Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Uh, Cameron, let's go ahead and just wrap up the football talk. I'll get to uh, you know a couple more nuggets, some offensive nuggets uh, that are in our insider piece. Again, this is kind of a, a wrap-up of some of the stuff that's happened over the last week with spring practice. You can go to Horns 24-7 and get the rest of this. Um, but one thing that, uh, that really stood out to me was a position you talked about a minute ago, Cam, the wide receiver group. And I'll just run this down. Uh, said Xavier Worthy in the uh, scrimmage situations on Saturday had a long touchdown catch, but he also had some drops. Mm. Uh, A.D. Mitchell is good. Jontae Cook and DeAndre Moore are going to be tough to keep off the field. Uh, said This source said they're going to have to rotate receivers this year because they have four dudes, Worthy, Cook, Moore, and Mitchell, who can roll. And they also have Whittington uh, and Isaiah Nayer, who obviously didn't take part in the scrimmage. They're bringing him along and managing his snaps and his participation. So, I don't know, Kim. That's kind of one position group where I don't want to drink the Kool Aid on the receiver group, but it's, yeah. it, it's almost like, man, you're just so talented there. You just feel like, okay, it's got to come together, right? Like they're just too talented at that position for things not to work. I, I've been very bullish about the wide receiver group, and it seems like you're, you just you just haven't got there yet. And I understand why, because of the season last year. Where would you? I've heard Nayers like eighty percent. Where would you put him at, or what have you uh, heard or been yeah, able to see? Yeah, based on the last time I saw him, and he might have improved in like the two weeks since I've seen him. Uh, yeah, probably in that seventy-five-ish. Do you think he range. plays in the the spring game or the spring? Do we know what the format's going to be yet? No, and and honestly, I'll say this right now: we don't know what the format will be, but we had some people last year like get aggravated the fact that it wasn't like an actual game dude i don't care i would i would rather the way with the way sark structures practice i would rather it be like a glorified practice than an actual game because i think you get more out of yeah. it like if you see them do like you know some actual scrimmaging and then some situational stuff like some red zone third down goal line whatever i'm i'm totally fine with that the more the, the more situations where you can get a better look at personnel, the further down the depth chart you get, I'm I'm cool with that. But no, we don't know what the format's going to be yet. But at any rate, I don't I don't think you'll see Isaiah Nayer participate in the spring. Okay, game. that's a bummer. I just there's just no point. There's no need to rush him yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then risk something happening. But I I am very excited to hear that there's going to be actually a rotation in the receiver room because it felt like even last year it's just like we're still we would rotate because they were rotating to try and figure out. Who's going to be that next guy behind X in Sanders? Well, and I think this is this has been Sark's kind of mo. I've talked about this a lot. When you go back and look at his time at Alabama, and really you didn't need to go that deep because you had just a bunch of NFL draft picks at wide receivers. But his wide receiver rotations were not that deep. I'll go back and look at last year. But just looking at the target numbers, and I'm getting this from Pro, Pro Football Focus. Xavier Worthy led Texas, and gosh, this is just shows the struggles X had last year. 59 catches on 113 targets. Wow. Yeah, that's a catch percentage of about 52%. It's not it's not ideal. Uh JT Sanders, much better set. But here's the, here's the target differential. You got Xavier Worthy at 113, then you got JT Sanders at 72. 54 catches, it's catching 75% of his targets. Jordan Whittington at 72. Then you go down your number 4 in terms of targets. Bijan Robinson at 29, Roshan John or Keelan Robinson, excuse me, at 22, Roshan Johnson with 21. So the gap between Jordan Whittington at 72 to the next wide receiver 
is Casey Kane at 19. That's how top-heavy you were at the receiver position last year at Texas. But we talked about it. I'll go back to 2020, Tom Herman's last year, and you look at the target numbers, and granted, you you only played 10 games, but look, this is how spread out everything was. Joshua Moore, 56. Brennan Eagles, 48. Jake Smith, 38. Tariq Black and Jordan Whittington with 24. Brennan Schooler with 23. Those are six wide receivers right there with 20-plus targets. And then you've got Cade Brewer with 21. And then you go down Bijan, Jared Wiley there in the teens. So you had six wide receivers with 20-plus targets in Tom Herman's last year. Then you go to 2021, Sark's first year when we talked about, hey, uh, you know, you're probably not going to have as many targets. You probably have fewer guys gobbling up more targets. Xavier Worthy in 2021 is a true freshman, 103. <laughs> the next closest player in terms of targets, Joshua Moore was second on the team with 45. Jeez. So you go from 103 to 45. And he, he didn't even play every game. Right. Jordan Whittington with 36. And then Marcus Washington with 30. Yeah, Bijan had 31, Cade Burrow had 27, but then you got Marcus Washington with 30. You only had those were the only four receivers you had that were over 20 targets. And after Marcus Washington, the next wide receiver that you find was Kelvante Dixon at 15. So again, smaller number of guys, bigger number of targets. And it, this, it was even more the case last year smaller number of guys, bigger number of targets for those guys. I think you'll see it be a little more spread out this year because of the talent you've got, but I don't think you're going to see like a replication of what happened in 2020 under Tom Herman, where you just got it's it's almost it feels almost too evenly distributed. Is that because of the 22 of the personnel that Sark loved to play with or run with? I guess. Uh, well, you mean 12 personnel or 12 personnel? Yeah. Um, pro- I think that's part of it. I think you just look at how much of the passing game they funneled through X, and and I think honestly, when Sark talks about the passing game needing to improve. I hope that's one thing he looks at is where were you funneling your usage and do you need to not necessarily um, you know, take targets away from X, just take a bunch of his targets away, but maybe between your top group just spread out those targets a little bit. Like instead of X having 113, maybe, you know, right around 90 is good. So even if you're taking 13 targets, if that's you know, three more for this guy, two more for this guy, or whatever, that's that's a few more opportunities that Jay Witt or Nair or Jonte Cook or somebody else is going to get. And hopefully this sure. the spring and fall and summer allows yours to develop you know, more chemistry because it felt like a lot of his targets to X, maybe it was called for in the scheme, but also it was because Quinn felt like he had the most chemistry with Worthy, right? And now he has a full year, and now even then some under his buckle to learn how the play with, you know, hopefully Nair, but also, you know, Casey Kane, Jay Whip, A.D. Mitchell, Jonte Cook, all the other guys that have come in, Ryan Niblett. See, and I'm going back to just to show you how Tom Herman had a little more evenly, a little more balance. Like 2019, you want to take a guess, Cam, how many targets Devin Duvernay had in 2019 when he caught 100 balls? Mm, he had 100, 100, let me see. 105 catches is what Duvernay finished with that year. I would say 120. 129. That's a yeah. catch percentage of 81%. I don't remember a lot of, you know, missed throws from Sam the Duvernay. And a lot of a lot of short a lot of short yep. stuff too. A lot of screens mixed in with that. So then you go from Duvernay at 129, Brennan Eagles at 62, Colin Johnson at 57, and Colin only played seven games that year. Malcolm Epps at 35, Jake Smith at 34. So those are five wide receivers with 30 plus targets. 
Uh, Keontae Ingram at 34, Roshan Johnson at 30, and then John Bird at 18. So he was right on the cusp of having a 20 target year. Um, you know, 28. And again, it's just different coaches like to do different things. Tom Herman's like to spread out. It was really, you had, uh, go back to 2018. L.J. Humphrey at 120, Colin Johnson at 103, Duvernay at 65, uh, and then you have Gerard Hurd as their fourth receiver with 20-plus at 25. But then, like, Andrew Beck, 42, Keontae Ingram, 28, Trey Watson, 26. So, yeah, it was a little more distributed, a little more liberally by Tom Herman, whereas Sark has his top group, has had his top group. That's where he's going to funnel it. Maybe that changes a little bit. I do want to talk a little Texas basketball. So, again, you go to Hornets 24-7, get everything from the insider. and we'll, the, this, These are topics we'll continue to talk about uh, until we get to the start of uh, camp and leading up to the start of the regular season. I do want to talk a little Texas basketball, just in terms of roster management, roster construction. The, the immediate need for Rodney Terry, when you look at the 2023-24 roster, your guys that have eligibility, which of those guys are going to come back? Brock Cunningham's already said he's coming back. I'm expecting Tyrese Hunter and Arterio Morris and Dylan Mitchell to be back. The big one is DeSue. Does Dylan DeSue come back? If he does, then you're probably only looking at needing maybe one big out of the portal. If he bolts, then you're probably looking at needing to go get two. And can you find kind of two guys of a really high quality in the portal? You manage to do that. Really, you go back to Chris Beard's first year. You really got three with Trey Mitchell, DeSue, uh, and Christian Bishop all coming in the portal that year. And obviously Mitchell transferred out, but you had a healthy Desue with Bishop balanced out, and you were once, especially when Dylan got rolling, you were good. Uh, so if Desue comes back, what kind of roles, and, and do Alexander Mekway and Rowan Brumbaugh come back, and what kind of roles are they going to play? So I think when you look at the needs in the portal, you got, you got Ron Holland and A.J. Johnson coming in. So then you're like, okay, you probably need like three, maybe four guys out of the portal. You and, and the need depends on if DeSue comes back because you need to find a big, and ideally you would like to find somebody who can give you rebounding and rim protection above all else, but who's got some athletic ability that can get up and down the floor with what should be a more athletic, more explosive lineup than what you put on the floor last year with Tyrese Hunter and Ron Holland and Dylan Mitchell. There's a lot of run-and-jump athletes in that group. I think you probably need to figure out that piece that Timmy Allen played, and can you get a, a wing-type guy who can be versatile enough to play some three, play some four, and kind of do a little bit of everything. I'm not saying you've got to go into the portal and try to find Timmy Allen again, but can you find that type of guy? I think you need somebody, again, that can play some three, play some four, uh, maybe even on the, you know, if you want to go with more of a quicker lineup, can play some small ball five. But a guy that's a, a passer or rebounder doesn't need to score the ball a lot, doesn't need X number of shots per game. I think you need to fill that role. And then for the, the guard piece, because you're going to need to go in the portal, I think, and add another guard, I think that all depends on what is your projected role for Tyrese Hunter. If you want Tyrese Hunter to play on the ball, then shooting should be your your primary objective in the portal first and foremost. If you decide that Tyrese Hunter can play off the ball a little bit more and you trust him to shoot the ball at a good enough level to play off the ball more, then you need a guy who probably is, is, is an equal parts ball handler and shooter. Like If you can find another guy like Jabari Rice, I know that's going to be really tough. Man, Jabari Rice was so good for them last year because he could play on the ball, he could play off the ball, unselfish guy. So finding that piece too is going to be huge. Cam, would you add anything? And I, and I think I think those are really the pieces you're looking for. An athletic big, maybe one or two, 
some type of guy that can play four or five that's that's got some versatility to their game. And then depending on that Tyrese Hunter role, you either need a, a pass-first guy for your portal guard or you need a primary shooter for your portal guard. I'm intrigued by Washington State's TJ Bamba, who is in the portal. Um, I believe he's a sophomore. He'll be a junior guard. I'm curious because it goes to what your point about what Tyrese Hunter's role is going to be and what is – you know, does Arturo Morris become a starter next season? Because he looked, I think so, yeah. He looked pretty good, Jeff. I, I know it's a touchy subject considering, you know, his off-the-court stuff, but I think he's going to be a really good basketball player for Texas. TJ Bamba is just one name that he's also entered the NBA draft. I think he hasn't hired an agent yet. He's kind of waiting to see what his, his testing scores will come back. But Bamba's one guy. And then if the Sioux goes out, the glass is going to become a huge problem, I think, for Texas rebounding because yeah. now you have to find a five because Bishop's gone, and if the Sioux's gone, I mean, Dylan Mitchell, I mean, he he had he had a couple flashes, but I don't. What is his role going in the next season? He's the one guy I have the biggest question mark about because yeah. he was at one point a projected top ten pick, and in, in like November, Jeff, remember that? Yeah, and I, I think our 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 guys are national our national basketball guys like Adam Finkelstein, Eric Bossy. Travis Branham, they those guys have even said, "Hey, uh, I think we just got a little too enamored with the elite athleticism." Yeah, yeah, probably, probably maybe ranked him a little higher than they should have, but he's he is an elite athlete. I I, I just think I don't want to say their ceiling is based on the growth Dylan Mitchell's going to make, but man, if he gets anywhere close to that, much closer to that ceiling, yeah. that projected ceiling than he was this year. This is going to be the most athletic lineup. I mean, I know it's hard to say that when you've had lineups where you've been able to put like Jericho Sims and, and Jackson Hayes on the floor together, but you just look really from one through five. Name me a more athletic lineup Texas can have with with Tyrese Hunter, Arterio Morris, Ron Holland, Dylan Mitchell, and then whether DeSue comes back or you find a big. I know everybody loves the, the Kill L. Ware idea, but – yeah, and there's a reason why everybody in the country is recruiting Kellel Ware now that he's in the portal. Texas has reached out. I also know in terms of a you know a guard addition. I know at this point they've reached out to Quincy Olivari from Rice. Okay. He's a guy that's got like Arkansas, Auburn interest. Uh, a lot of high major programs have, have been interested in him. So just paying it, pay attention to how those portal pieces come together. That'll give you a better idea of what the roles for like Hunter and Mitchell and those guys will be going forward. Would you go after Zach Eady if he's in the portal? Why? Here's the thing. Like, why would Zach Eady go into the portal? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a Twitter rumor. It's and a, and no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I would stay away. I don't. I watching how who they lose to. I don't even remember. But watching um, Farley Dickinson, right? Farley Dickinson. Yeah, Fairly, yeah, Farley. Fairley. How they defended Chris, him, Chris Farley Dickinson. How they defended him and played against him is just like yeah, the big man is pretty much dead. That, in the game of basketball. I always say this about Purdue, man. I don't know if they beat Texas a couple of years ago, but that was a game where Purdue like dominated free throw margin, and Texas still had a chance to win that game down the stretch. When that painter makes a Final Four and win that national wins a national championship, I'll believe in that style of play he believes in. But until then, hadn't won them anything. Yep. In the postseason, 